0: Good morning Sterling and welcome to another online service, a big well done to you for tuning in online. I know the temptation would have been maybe this morning to sleep in a little bit or to maybe give church a skip. but. Well done on making sure you've tuned in and connected with church. And I know it's certainly not ideal for us to be able to gather online. It was far better for us to meet in person. We as a church prize face-to-face meetings. We've certainly enjoyed it more and more as the pandemic has happened and being in each other's presence. But by God's grace, we are still able to do this this morning online. And we have made the decision to do the Sunday online because we really do prize in-person gathering. And the idea of doing today online is with the idea that we would hopefully have more and more opportunities to be able to meet in person. My wife reminded me of that saying, a stitch in time saves nine. And uh, hopefully hopefully today with the decision, the big decision to call us to do online service this morning will hopefully give us many more gatherings as we navigate through this third wave to be able to meet as often as we possibly can. In person. With that, I want to let you know that we, as a team, will be discussing uh, when we'll be gathering again uh, this week, and hopefully, we'll be letting you know soon. Uh, so, this Sunday, the 20th, is still uh, there's a decision that still needs to be made around it, uh, but via the different communications that we normally communicate to you with we will be letting you know so if you have your emails check out your emails make sure you look out for those things we'll be getting you there on our Facebook page and also on WhatsApp with the small groups and the text groups we will let you know on those platforms if you aren't receiving any communication uh, from us please get hold of us this week at at the office Uh, call us And uh, we'll kill two birds with one stone. We will let you know what's happening with the Sunday service, but also we will make sure we get your details down so that you can receive the communications in the different ways as well. And then you'll be able to stay in touch. My last announcement is I want to let you know that we will be opening the church, uh, uh, the office, so the church offices this Sunday, uh, this Monday. Um, We will be back in. Uh, Last week, half our staff or all our staff had to isolate but at different stages and half the staff have finished their 10 days worth of isolation and we we're back in the office on Monday. So if you're needing to call the office for whatever reason or be, need someone to do some pastoral care, uh, please uh, feel free uh, to get hold of us at the church and come and see us. We would love to help you as, away and as possible as we can. All right, we're going to head into a time of worship now. Uh, so, wouldn't before we do that, we're just going to cl- uh, close our eyes and pray. So, please join me in that. Lord, we are so thankful that we are able to gather online, um, and uh, we ask, Lord, that you would bless this moment. That though we aren't able to meet in person, as we meet in spirit together as a church to here uh, in unity. Uh, a a word that will be brought by Bryce later uh, and as we sing in unity at at our homes that your spirit would be amongst us that you would minister to us and Lord that there'd be this joy that comes from being able to worship you and Lord we long again for the and hopefully not too far away to be able to gather in person but in this moment we pray that you would be glorified and we'll be able to meet with you in Jesus name amen
1: Right. Good morning, SBC. Thank you, Nateska, for that worship. That was awesome. I hope you're all doing well. It's such a huge blessing that we can at least still meet, even though it is online. Uh, so a warm welcome to everybody who's joining us online. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Bryce, and as of the last, AGM, uh, I now work here permanently, which is a massive blessing to me. Uh, so thanks be to God, first and foremost, but also to you guys for voting to keep me around and give me a permanent position. I really appreciate it. For today, I'm going to be bringing a message which I feel we all desperately need to hear, not only in the church, but outside of the church as well. And so I've titled today's message, The Pathway to Impenetrable Joy. And this area of joy is something that so many people don't properly understand. And so I'm hoping to offer a few solutions. I want us to find out where it is that we find this impenetrable joy that cannot be shaken by things like a global pandemic and everything going on around us. And I think if we all are completely honest with ourselves and we look at our heart's motive for why we are doing the things that we are doing and why we are working hard, you'll find right at the bottom there, the underlying motivation is always joy. That you feel that whatever it is that you are doing is going to eventually lead to some sort of joy. We find with our teens, they work themselves to death in the classroom, sometimes for the joy of making it into varsity, sometimes it's just for the joy of getting their parents off their back. Um, We find a bunch of guys who go off to varsity and they do the best that they can, sometimes for the joy of making enough money to sustain a family, sometimes it's for building their own reputation or for building their jobs. But it is always joy that is this underlying motivation. And it affects each and every single one of us. We cannot escape it. And so, J.C. Ryle, who was a saint for many years ago, tells the story about how Joy dethroned an atheist street speaker. He tells the story, a real story, of what happened when an atheist stood up on a corner on a little platform and he began speaking to the open air, and he did so boldly. And he said that there is no such thing as heaven, there is no such thing as hell, there is no such thing as a final judgment or resurrection, there is no life after death, and there is no God. And because he was speaking quite confidently, it wasn't long before a crowd had gathered before him. And they were listening to what he was saying. They weren't telling him to shush and go away. He then advised his listeners to throw away their Bibles. He said that they need to boycott the churches, stop listening to the rubbish that the, the preachers are saying, and simply desert God. And while he was busy making these statements, there was a little old lady at the back of the crowd who had a spine of steel. And she began edging her way through the crowd, pushed away right to the front, and there she confronted him. And she said, excuse me, sir! And he ignored her. He tried to pretend that she wasn't there, just carried on speaking to his crowd full of people. But this old lady was persistent. And so she said even louder, sir! He said, what? What do you want? And she said, you're telling us to throw away our Bibles and to not believe in God. We want to know, now that you have done that, Are you happy? And this completely took this atheist street speaker by surprise. He had no clue how to respond. And so he stuttered and he stammered and tried to crawl his way through his response. He said, "Um, Ma'am, you see, I haven't actually come to speak about happiness today. And she said, Regardless of that, we as the people want to know now that you have made this decision, are you happy? And he couldn't respond. His, his conscience could not get him to lie because he knew that he was desperately unhappy inside after doing these things and making these choices. And so what ended up happening is the whole crowd booed him off his platform and he went home really surprised and perplexed by what had happened. You see, this, this thing of joy is so important, not only for our own personal fulfillment, but also encountering the lies that the enemy tries to throw at us. We are drawn to certain things in the world because they seem to offer these promises of elation and joy and happiness. But when we just uh, focus on them a little bit more, we find out that those promises never hold true. They always fall through. And so we are returning to our Songs of Salvation series, and the psalm that I'm going to be focusing on to build my case for joy found in Christ alone is Psalm chapter 16. It is a psalm that is written by King David, and the title of this psalm is you will not abandon my soul. So you can turn to Psalm 16. If you can't find it in time, the words should pop up on the screen for you. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. And the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. The lions have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because He is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. And in your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is a really beautiful psalm from David and it's rich in so many areas but what I really want to draw your attention to in the psalm is how it leads us on this pathway to impenetrable joy and to do that I first want us to focus on verse 4 which says the sorrows of those who run after another god shall multiply their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips And the reason why is because the world offers many different substitutes to try and say to us, hey, you need to sow into this area and then you will reap this joy back to you. But that's never the case. And so that leads me to point number one for this morning, which is the world's empty substitutes. You don't have to be alive for very long to realize that there is a huge draw towards going towards these things that the world offers to fulfill our fleshly desires. And even with those, all those promises of joy, we can see also very quickly that there are many people who have made an absolute shipwreck of their life because they have gone to those areas and they haven't satisfied them. Dave mentioned about two weeks ago in his sermon that we look at the celebrities and we see with their copious amounts of money and popularity, they are still going through divorce after divorce and committing suicide and it's evidence of the fact that they have not found this lasting joy. And so we can draw to the conclusion that loads of cash and loads of popularity will not bring this lasting joy. And you see, one of our problems is that we are very much like Eve in the Garden of Eden. You see, we just consider what we want in those decisions. She saw the fruit, she saw that it looked delicious and that this would make her become more like God and that she would know more. And so she makes the decision to go and eat of that fruit. Not taking the whole decision into consideration, where she would then realize that this is rebelling against God, that it would cause separation between the creator and his creation, and that there would be sin that enters the world, and now death entering through sin, which affects the rest of humanity. And this is a very similar thing that Jonathan Edwards said. Jonathan Edwards, who was probably one of the greatest theologians to ever live, says that one of the reasons why Christians end up making some terrible decisions is because they only search for that one little part of the decision that they like and that they agree with. And he says the rest of it, they completely disregard. He said it's sort of like listening to a song and you hear the first few notes of the song and you immediately conclude that this is one of the best songs that has ever existed and that you love it. And then you go and you hear the rest of the song and it fits together horrendously. There is no harmony. But because of that small part that you seemed to enjoy, you thought that that was going to be a good song. And the next thing to be aware of in this area where we see that the world is offering us these false promises of elation and joy and happiness is this. Satan is a plagiarist. Satan is a plagiarist. He does not have the power in and of himself to create. Instead, what he does is he sees the desires that God has placed within you and he twists those desires that already exist there. And then he comes and he tempts you to fulfill those twisted desires by sowing into the world. And when we do that, we end up reaping the corruption and the destruction that inevitably comes. I'm sure many of you have watched the movie or read the books uh, of The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe from the Chronicles of Narnia. And in the story, there's a little boy called Edmund. And Edmund stumbles through the closet into this land of Narnia, and the first person that he's met with there is the leader of the evil faction, the evil white witch. And she comes to, new, to Edmund, whose favorite suite in the whole world is Turkish delight. And she says to Edmund, I will give you infinite Turkish delight if you will sell out Aslan, the leader of the good faction. Just tell me where he is, and I'll give you infinite Turkish delight. This guy says, you know what, that sounds like a great deal. I'll happily take it. And so he takes his Turkish delights and sells out Aslan. It's not too long before he realizes that he's been tricked and he has massive regrets for what he has done. And you see, this story is actually supposed to parallel certain parts of the gospel story. So Edmund is actually like Judas. Judas loved money. We are told that he set himself over the money bags. He would occasionally help himself to the money. And so what is it that Satan goes and tempts him with? Money. He goes and he gets the Pharisees to offer 30 pieces of silver. And he goes and he falls for this little trick, and he sells out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, and it's not long before he also has these massive regrets. We are told that he takes 30 pieces of silver, he chucks them back at the Pharisees. But by this stage, it was too late. You see, verse 4 is so real to us that somebody who runs after these foreign gods will certainly have their sorrows multiplied. And we often have this idea that the grass is going to be greener on the other side. If we just had this one thing, then we'd be so much happier. But I want want you to really consider each decision that you make. Do not be deceived by the empty promises that this world throws out there. I just wanna go through a few here really quickly that we tend to fall for quite often. The first one is rank and greatness will not bring this joy. We often think, man, if if I was president, corruption and crime would stop tomorrow, all the potholes would magically fix themselves. That's not the case. Rank and power and greatness will not bring you this lasting joy. In fact, the Roman emperor Antonin said that the imperial power was a sea of miseries. He said having all these people on your shoulders and just waiting on you to make the right decisions where it benefits this group, but now this group hates you, he said it was awful. If we look at Queen Elizabeth I, she was once put on record for saying that she saw a milkmaid singing to herself as she was walking down the street and she wished that that had been her lot in life instead. This rank and power and greatness will not bring lasting joy. The next one is wealth will not bring lasting joy and happiness. That's a big one for us, but Scripture tells us that many people have pierced themselves with many pangs and they've swerved from the faith because they love this money. And if you just take a while to consider these people who make money their God, you'll find out that what they do is all their stress and their anxiety is swirling around making money. And so what they do is they sometimes step on people's toes or they work really hard all their anxiety towards making this money and sometimes doing so illegally. And then what do you think happens once they've got that money? They then have all their anxiety towards keeping that money and saving it for themselves. And making money, your God, is much like trying to give a fire enough wood. It just burns out of control, and the more you have, the more you want. Wealth will not bring this lasting joy and satisfaction. Next is intelligence will not bring lasting joy. In the wisdom literature, we actually see from Solomon that as your your wisdom and your knowledge increases, so does your sorrow. Because you look around at yourself as you learn more about yourself or you learn more about the world, and you see that things are not as they should be. And so as you increase in intelligence, it does not equate to an increased joy. And finally, the one which we probably all fall most for in our day and age is pleasure seeking in this world. Pleasure seeking will not bring this lasting joy. And nobody can say it quite as well as J.C. Ryle. He says, to think of a sinful dying creature with an immortal soul expecting to find happiness in feasting and drinking in dancing and singing, in clothes and company, in ball going and card playing, in crowds, in laughter, in noise, in music, in wine. Surely it is a sight that is enough to make the devil laugh and the angels weep. Even a child will not play with its toys all day long. But when grown up men and women think that they will find happiness in a constant round of amusement, they sink far below a child. Do not fall prey to the many paths that this world tries to beat over, this path to impenetrable joy. The way that they try to sidetrack us with all of these things, with rank and greatness, with the wealth, intelligence, with pleasures that the world is abounding in. Do not think that that is where lasting joy and satisfaction will be found. And that is why if we look at verse 4, you can see that the psalmist says that these people who try to find this joy in those areas will certainly have their sorrows multiplied, but he doesn't leave it there. He carries on afterwards, and he says that he will not pour out any sort of offering or sacrifice to these gods. He won't even take their name on, on his lips. And what would happen with the sacrifice is you would have to sacrifice some of your resources to this god. And he says, I will put none of my eggs in that basket. None at all. And what we can see is that as the world offers these, these delicacies to us, what we need to do is have our faith and our trust focused on Jesus. We need to have an eternal perspective to see just how fleeting those things are in their nature. And somebody from the Old Testament who does this really well is Moses. If we look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 to 26, it says, By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. And just consider that for a moment, that Moses, who was an Israelite, somehow found himself in an Egyptian palace. He could have stayed there, probably would have been given a really high position, he probably would have enjoyed many of the pleasures of this world, and yet he went and he had an eternal perspective and his faith in God, and he chose the reproach of Christ to be of greater value than everything that probably the richest ancient civilization could even uh, give him. And that leads me to my second point for today, which is only Christ will satisfy us forevermore. Throughout this passage, you'll see that the psalmist is steadily driving this point home that it is only um, belief in God that will steadfastly satisfy him. Verse 8 says, I have set the Lord always before me, and because he is at my right hand, I shall never be shaken. And this verse paints such a beautiful picture for us, almost as though somebody's life was experiencing an earthquake. And everything is being shaken and is shuddering around him. But in the midst of this earthquake, there is the strong pillar that is not moving at all. And the moment you set that strong pillar before you and you cling to it, you also stop shaking and shuddering. I think in a, in a time when we are going through a global pandemic, we, we need to hear these words. What is it that we need to cling on to make sure that our lives are not shaking apart is Christ. We need to make sure that we set him always before us. In verse 9, he goes on to say, therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. So he says that his heart is rejoicing, that he's incredibly happy. And then afterwards, he almost seems to add on, my flesh also dwells secure. And what we can draw from this is that the reason why the psalmist has his heart rejoicing and abounding in joy is not because his health is perfect. It's not because he has fulfilled as many of his fleshly desires as possible and now the end result is that he's happy. That's not at all what's going on here. Instead, the reason why he's so happy is because his soul is eternally safe. He knows that regardless of what happens to him during his time here on earth, when he dies one day, he will go and be with God for all of eternity. And just look at the the title of Psalm 16. It says, you will not abandon my soul. And this was written by King David. King David who got abandoned by a lot of people during his life. When he was still a small boy, his, his father, Jesse, had a very important envoy from the king coming to choose and anoint the next king of Israel. And what does his father say? David, somebody important is coming to the house today. Won't you please go and watch the sheep? Oh, but dad, what are they coming for? Don't worry, just go and watch the sheep. Abandoned by his own dad. Later on, we find that King Saul, after David had gone and killed Goliath and won the admiration of the nation of Israel through God's strength, King Saul wants to now kill him. He had also abandoned David Saul. He couldn't care less about David Saul. Later on, his own son, Absalom, turns against his father, and he wants to kill him. But what's really great to see about the psalmist is that he never put his faith and his trust in those relationships with his king, with his own father, with his son, That is not where he chose to cultivate joy. Instead, you can almost see the psalmist looking to God and saying, you, you will not abandon my soul. You love me and you care for me. And that is what we need to be doing as well, is making sure that we're not putting our faith and our trust and cultivating this joy in our our human relationships down here. It is to be cultivated at the feet of Christ. The last verse In the psalm, which is probably the most beautiful, is verse 11. It says, You make known to me the path of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And it's quite interesting the way that he puts this, is that when it comes to joy, there can be a fullness of joy, but it is only to be experienced and to be found in the presence of God. And so I just wanna help us understand what it means to have this fullness of joy and life. And I'm gonna do so by asking a really strange question followed by a few comparisons. And my really strange question to you this morning is, do you think bacteria can experience life and joy? You might think, what? Bacteria yeah, it must be alive it exists in, you know colonies in, in dirt and breaks down nitrates and nitrites so that plants can absorb it more readily. We, we can know that it's maybe alive. We don't know if it experiences joy on any sort of level. But now what happens if you compare that bacteria to something like a plant? A plant just exists on a completely different level to that bacteria. There is more laugh and joy, and we can see maybe that the plant is happy when it is thriving, not wilting, and producing delicious fruit. And now what happens if we compare that plant to something like a dog? A dog is just on a completely different level to this plant. If it's not happy in its location, it can get onto its feet and go and find a different location that it likes. A dog can experience far more joy and laughter than a plant can. When it hears its master coming home after a long day and it's been lonely, you'll see that, that tail wagging frantically. Or when it hears food going into the bowl, joy through the roof. But now what happens if you go and you compare something like that dog to a human being? you find that the human being can experience far greater joy and far greater amounts of life by doing the things that we do, by working a job or taking care of a family or even being able to have your own family. You will see that that human being can experience far greater life and joy than the dog. But where the psalmist reaches the final culmination, where fullness of joy is experienced is not just by any human being, we are told that it is by human beings who enter into the presence of God. And you can only do that as a Christian. This fullness of joy is only to be experienced by people who have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit, who have had their eyes opened, and you can look around the world at the beauty of nature and you see God's handiwork in nature. You can look at people who have been saved by His grace and His mercy, and they can see that God's hand is at work in those people. This fullness of joy is only to be experienced in communion with God and speaking to the one who created you. And that is why this impenetrable joy is only on offer to the Christian. And the reason why I say that this joy is impenetrable is because if you make the love that you're receiving from Christ, if that is why you're finding incredible amounts of joy, then you will know what the psalmist is speaking about. Because that joy that Christ has for you can never be stripped away from you. And that is why Paul, when he's writing to the Romans, chapter 8, verse 38 to 39, he says this about the love of Christ. He says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor heart nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ our Lord. Imagine if all of your joy was so centered around the person of Christ and his love for you that regardless of what happens in your life, regardless of your king, your father, or your own children one day turning against you, you can still say, the Lord has been good to me. You will not abandon my soul. This is the joy that we are after, church, impenetrable joy. And I know that life often throws us curveballs. And we think, man, we've gone through some really tough times last year and this year. Some curveballs apparently last a lot longer than others. But what I really need you to get from today Is that joy is not experienced in a lack of pain? Joy is experienced in the presence of Jesus. Joy is not experienced in a lack of pain, joy is experienced in the presence of Jesus. And that is good news for us. When we go and we read certain things like James chapter 1, as it opens up, he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you experience trials of various kinds. Now, that doesn't mean that we as Christians, we see the pain coming, we go, Yes, we get to suffer. Not at all. God is not calling us to be masochists and to enjoy the pain in and of itself. But if you keep reading there, you'll see that this makes our character more steadfast in nature. What this pain and the suffering does for us is it pushes our faith off of ourselves, off of our abilities, and onto Christ, where it should be. And as we are going through those painful times and we're suffering, Jesus walks with us. That is why we can experience incredible joy not because we aren't suffering, but because even through the suffering, Jesus never leaves us. That is what we see in the life of Paul and Silas as well. They're going out, they're preaching the gospel, they're doing the right thing and they suffer for it. They get beaten, they get taken to prison, they get chained into uncomfortable angles. And what do we find them doing? Singing praises to God. I don't think it's possible for somebody to be singing praises to God like that in those situations unless there's an incredible amount of joy we can know for sure that Jesus was with him through those times. You see, love suffers for joy. There's a Native American proverb that says, the soul would have no rainbow if the eyes had no tears. And where this is most true for us and most easily seen is in the life of Jesus Christ himself. If you look in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you see how important it is to have an eternal perspective? Jesus was not looking forward to the cross itself. He was sweating drops of blood the night before. But for the joy that was set before him, man, he endured those trials, and he went through it. And if we really are putting this verse into perspective and into practice here, where we are looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfect of our faith, then I think what this calls from us is to walk in his steps. To really say that even if we're going through these tough times, man, there's a greater joy coming when we are in heaven one day. But even now, as we walk through these tough times, Christ walks with us. You are never, ever alone. And this pathway to impenetrable joy is only to be found in Christ. So as I wrap up this morning, I just want to give us a few practical tips about how we are going to apply this teaching to our life. Sometimes it's not as simple as we think. So first and foremost, if you find yourself hearing this message today and you don't yet have your faith and your trust in Jesus, first step is to put your faith and your trust in Jesus. As I've mentioned, this pathway to impenetrable joy that cannot be lost is only to be found in Jesus. And so you need to be putting your faith in Him. Whenever the, the, the greater the gift, the greater the joy that follows that gift. See, I remember waking up far too early most Christmas mornings when I would see a massive present under the tree. The joy would fly through the roof and that it still holds true for us today. The greater the gift that we are given, the greater the joy that will uh, naturally follow from that. And what we have been given as Christians is God himself. He comes and he gives of himself to us. And I'll demonstrate that quickly. You see Jesus Christ entering into human history. He takes on human flesh. He lives the life that you and I could not live. And then he goes and he dies on the cross in our place. That's what we deserved. And he he dies there and he rises three days later. Jesus Christ gave of himself to us and for us because he loves us so much. But he wasn't the only one. He says that for those of us who put our faith in him and we ask God to send us his Holy Spirit, he will send his Holy Spirit to make his home within us. He will lead us and guide us. He's called the Comforter because through those tough times when we're struggling with joy, the Holy Spirit will comfort us. And He will lead us and He'll teach us from Scripture. And then we see that we have access now to God the Father through the blood of Christ. Because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, we now get to taste of this communion with God the Father. And so the greater the gift that has been given to us, the greater the joy that we should be experiencing. We've been given the greatest gift that ever exists, and it cannot be taken away from us. Secondly, though, if you're a Christian, and you have tasted and seen just what an amazing God He is, then you need to be sharing Him with the world around you. And don't fall prey to the so-called gods of this world the temptations to rather stay silent or to be comfortable where you are and to not share your faith with those who are around you. For me, when I was 20, I had to choose between uh, becoming a pilot or going into ministry as God was calling me to. And so I chose to suffer the loss of being a pilot. And so instead of flying a little tin can through the air, I now get to see people flying into the arms of Jesus where they are safe for all of eternity. And I know right now there's a guy in Kenya called Ian Chongoti, who was one of my friends, great Kenyan guy. And I witnessed him when I was at air school, and I didn't think that there was any sort of uh, fruit from witnessing to him. But you know that Ian messaged me two years ago, and he said, Bryce, today I'm a Christian. Because of what you said and because I've now put my faith and my trust in Jesus, one day I will see you in heaven. And this isn't because I'm this amazing evangelist. I'm not but this is because I'm convinced that you know, God would have used somebody else if I hadn't spoken up, but I'm so glad that I did speak to him. That gives me incredible joy now, and I can only imagine the joy that that'll give me one day when I'm reunited with Ian in heaven. I have another friend called Maisie McCann, who I also witnessed to when I got to air school, and this guy's life completely transformed as he heard the message of Jesus. He had incredible amounts of joy, and he threw off his sin and his old ways, and he grasped onto Christ. And one, it was, I think, two years ago as well, Mezi died in a tragic plane crash. And as much as we lost him, I saw a life that was completely changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Mezzi is safe. And I know that one day, myself and Mezzi and Ian, will all be gathered around the throne of Christ and will be worshiping him for all that he has been able to do. My question to you is that as you are traveling this, this pathway to impenetrable joy, are you going to be selfish with this joy that you've tasted and seen? Or are you going to reach out to your friends? Are you going to tell them about who Jesus is and what he has done for you in your life? In 3 John 4, it says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. You see, as you're experiencing this joy, it's leading you to this field that is ripe and ready for the harvest. John chapter 4, verse 36 says, Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. My hope and my prayer for you is that you would be part of what Jesus is doing in this world and that you wouldn't hold on to this joy selfishly for yourself, but that this joy would overflow through you, and that you would be able to witness to other people. And as you do that, Christ will go with you, and you will taste a fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore at His right hand. Now, as we respond, I just, I just want to invite you to close your eyes, and I want you to consider what it is that has been said here this morning. What has God been saying to you? And I think maybe, maybe for some people, you, you've realized for the first time that you have fallen into the first bracket of people where you've been sowing into the world. And you've maybe realized that wealth and pleasure-seeking in this world, intelligence, rank, greatness, power, whatever it might be for you, is not actually satisfying you. And you only find that you need a bigger and bigger kick to get the same amount of joy from it. And if that's you, I just want to encourage you to, to seek Christ as the greatest motivator of joy for you. Maybe, maybe you are listening to this message and, and you, have, you have found Christ. You know that He is your Savior and that is where you found incredible amounts of joy for yourself. And if that is you, I want to encourage you not to hold on to this joy for yourself. I want to encourage you to, to share Christ with the world. To really know that that everybody needs this sort of joy in their life. So while you're thinking about those things, I just want to close off in prayer. Lord, I thank you that you have made this impenetrable joy on to be on offer for Christians. Lord, it is only in your presence because you are so amazing, and we want to thank you for everything that you've done for us at the cross in sending your Son. We thank you, God, for being such a good God and for giving us this impenetrable joy that the world cannot rob us of, that even COVID and a global pandemic, no earthquake that this world has to throw at us can remove this joy because it is found in the love of Christ, which can never be stripped away from us. Thank you, God. I pray that you would be with this congregation. Lord, I pray that you would Keep them safe, but more than anything, I pray that you would draw them ever closer and deeper in their walk with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Guys, that's the end of our service. I just wanna thank you so much for joining us online and just wanted to remind you also about what Joe said earlier. to to Please stay tuned, keep checking your emails, keep checking in with your small group leaders and we will do our best to, to get back to you as soon as possible about what's happening with next week's service. Stay safe, and I hope you go and have a wonderful day. Thank you.